Did you know that the Lego brick has been around for almost 70 years? How is it that those tiny little plastic toys have been around for so long? Well, let's talk about it. Welcome to Design Dive, the podcast that explores design that's all around us every Wednesday in just 10 to 15 minutes so you can get on with your day. My name is Chris Downs, and whether you're a designer or just simply curious about how design impacts our everyday life, you're in the right place. So let's dive in. Today, we're going to be talking about the Lego brick where it came from, how it came to be, and how is it the way it is today. So I want you for a moment to step back into your childhood and remember what Legos were like, the feeling that it instilled, and the sense of creativity that it encouraged you. And if you're anything like me, you may or may not play with Legos today. But hey, I'm not afraid to say that I do. Uh, but really, Legos are a brilliant idea. You can build whatever you want out of just pieces laying around, or you can choose from a set that's on the shelf today and just build from these instructions to make this creation that someone else came up with. It really is genius. So where did they start? And how did that iconic design come to be? Well, it all started with a man by the name of Ole Kirk Christensen in 1932. He was a carpenter in Bullen, Denmark, and he specialized in making wooden toys. This was his passion. His business, though, wasn't very profitable, and oftentimes Christensen had to trade off his toys just to get food on the table. His family had complained several times about why don't you go and find a real job? Why don't you go do something that's actually going to bring in money for you? But he was so passionate about this that he wanted to continue on with it. During this time, his son, Gottfried, began working for him. And in the 1930s, they both struggled with this business. In 1934, he named the company Lego. And it derived from the Danish term legat, which means in English, play well. So that's where the term comes from today. However, it wasn't until after World War II that the Lego brick would begin to take shape. Again, we see this theme of these world wars encouraging the influence of design. But in 1947, Christensen purchased a plastic injection molding machine. His plan was that he was going to make some bricks of his own. He was inspired by a British company called Kittycraft. He had gotten some bricks himself and was inspired by, if you look them up, they're very similar to the way Lego bricks are, but slightly different. But the thing was, these Kittycraft self-locking bricks, which they were called, they were patented in 1939. So his company began producing their own 
versions of these bricks, a, a kind of workaround that they named the automatic binding bricks. Now, later on in 1953, they would be renamed to just Lego bricks. And at that time, plastic was a relatively new addition to the toy world. And this really led to Lego struggling to build a customer base because people tend to prefer when it came to toys, wood or metal instead of plastic. It felt cheap. And so they wanted to go with something that felt and was tried and true and felt actually uh, higher quality. So what'd they do? They continued to trudge forward. Lego continued working with plastic. They didn't want to deviate from that and... In the end, it paid off. Now, in 1954, Olson Gottfried Christensen decided to incorporate Lego bricks into a system of toys. Now, his idea was brilliant because if parents were preferring these traditional toys, he decided to incorporate those traditional toys with Lego bricks. So, for example, you would build some buildings in this kit with Lego bricks and other elements like cars and trains, street signs, things like that would not be Lego bricks. They'd be traditional toys. So they meshed the two, but the bricks themselves, however, they were far from perfect. The first iteration, they had to undergo adjustments to their design to make them better at interlocking and to make it easier to pull them apart uh, for kids. Now, Today, if you're like me, you have the memory of using teeth to to pull Legos apart. They're still difficult, uh, but they were trying their best to cater to the audience that they were making these for. Now, in 1958, old Kurt Christensen passed away and his son inherited the leadership of the company. Now, this really led Lego to a new era of how it was going to grow. And throughout the 60s, the history of Lego was one of rapid growth. Sales expanded to the United States and there was greater focus on adding new bricks to their collection. In 1963, Gottfried Christensen laid out 10 characteristics that the toy must adhere to. And his characteristics were one, Unlimited play possibilities, two, for girls and for boys, three, enthusiasm for all ages, four, play all year round, five, stimulating and harmonious play, six, endless hours of play, seven, imagination, creativity, development, eight, more Lego, multiplied play value, nine, always topical, and 10, safety and quality. So a lot of areas that they're trying to cover here, but he had a focus that he wanted to make this toy groundbreaking. And so all throughout the next decade, they would be building manufacturing plants around the world to continue the growth of the company and distribution around the world. It's funny because up until this time, we're in the mid-1970s, They haven't even introduced the Lego minifigure that we all know today. It was 1974 when the first Lego human figures appeared. And in 1978, they finally evolved to the exact same design that's used today. 
Now, throughout this time, as we start to enter uh, the late 1980s, 1990s, Lego experienced some struggles. Now, throughout the 1990s and into the next century, Lego suffered decline in profits. And it's interesting to consider, well, why was this a case? I thought we were on this nice upward incline. We had a great mission, a great purpose. What went wrong? Well, this was partially due to a change in design philosophy. And this is very interesting because many of the original designers were laid off and young innovators who were new to the toy industry and toy design were hired. Now, this ultimately got Lego off their trajectory of what they were hoping to do. Uh, And it really showed because in 1998, the company had to lay off a thousand employees. It absolutely suffered. And in 2004, the company almost went bankrupt. So what saved it? How did it come back to become the company that is strong and the the one we know today? Well, it's funny because it was mainly because of the Star Wars franchise that spurred sales. If you're familiar, you know that Lego Star Wars is a staple of the what you see on shelves today. They licensed products to several of these franchises, Star Wars being a big one, but they also broke into the video games and television series industry. So think of the the video game Lego Star Wars or um, Lego Batman, all all those things. And you also start to see the Lego movie and and things outside of the toy itself promoting this product. And that ultimately is what saved it. Another aspect most recently that helped spur sales was the pandemic. It actually had a positive effect on Lego sales because people are forced to stay at home. So what are we going to do? We're going to build Lego. So what are some takeaways here? We learned that Lego's focus was not on just being a single toy, but an entire system. They had an an outward perspective on what it could become rather than what it was in the moment. Each set uses pieces that can be interchangeable with other sets. Their focus is on not just one toy that'll be by itself, but what it could be with others when combined. Also, it wasn't about what they wanted, but what their customers wanted. When they started listening to what their customer base wanted and producing that kind of content, that kind of product, they started to see growth. Yes, it's about sales. Ultimately, it's about the customer that's actually going to buy the product. Once you listen to them, and often in the, the design world, we call them users. When you listen to your users, you will be successful because when you are satisfying their needs, then your design will make an impact. So the next time you walk by Lego while walking around Target or maybe you have some kids and you accidentally step on that Lego and that causes excruciating pain beyond anything human minds can conceive, just remember everything that went into designing and maintaining the level of importance that the Lego brick is today.
And that's our dive. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the channel, leave a rating or review, and follow the podcast on social media for updates on new episodes every week. But until next time, keep learning, stay inspired, and remember, design is all around us. See ya.